Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Morgana Ray. She is the founder of Charmed Life Coaching and she's the author of Financial Alchemy, 12 Months of Magic and Manifestation. I'm looking forward to having Morgana share about her story and talk about her book. Welcome to the show, Morgana. Oh, thank you for having me. So excited that you're here to share some of your wisdom that you've learned on your journey with our listeners and talk about your new book. But before we talk about what you're doing now about coaching and the book that you wrote and all the things that you're doing currently, can you share with our listeners some of your background and history? Oh, absolutely. It's so funny and I feel so blessed by my current life because I live this life of dreams I never believed possible of travel and community and romance and and choice and freedom and fun and learning and all these things that are just so important to me. And 10 years ago, I am closing in on the 10-year anniversary of the change that made it all possible because mm-hmm. 10 years ago, I was struggling to make a hundred dollars a month, which really doesn't make sense on the surface because I graduated from this top Ivy league school back East. I've always gotten good grades. Even after I was hit by a car and in a coma and had a head injury Mm. and, and I was homeless and living on a floor and couldn't concentrate. And I still somehow, and I would never wish this on anybody, and I wouldn't repeat it again myself, but I still graduated from high school with honors. And I I was coaching, I was getting all these like new actors and writers on TV shows and stuff like that. And I still couldn't make any money. Mm-hmm. I was working with great coaches, I was taking great classes, I was doing everything I was supposed to do. And it was like I had this superhuman ability to repel money. And the thing about it that is so important to me is that it it isn't the matter of money. I mean, yeah, you have to make money to pay your rent and eat and survive, but it was bigger than that. I had such a, I was in such pain and shame and felt like such a failure and I felt so hopeless. Mm-hmm. I, I had such a deep feeling of rage against the universe and myself and because all I really wanted to do was help and I felt like I had found my talent and and I couldn't make a living at it and it was a really I was in a very deep despair. Mm-hmm. Before you talk more about that, I would love for you to share with the listeners some of your earlier history because, as we know, the messages were given as a child and growing up and how money is handled or if we have money or not greatly affects our identity with money later on. So can yeah. you share some of that and how that might have impacted you, some of your early years and some of your family upbringing that led up to that point of despair? Yeah, it, it's weird because things happened in childhood that I never knew affected me. Right. Because I always had a roof, 
even when I was sleeping on somebody else's floor, you know, and I didn't know any of this affected me until I wanted to get to the root cause of why I was pushing money away without any conscious knowledge of it. And there were some really weird things that happened. First of all, I've got this amazing family of artists and and creative types. My grandmother created the Renaissance Fair in L.A. that now you have Renaissance Fairs all over the United States and the world, and Mm -hmm. it started with my family. So I grew up in this great family of dancers and painters and intellectuals and scientists. And these are people who have really weird relationships with money. Mm -hmm. I went to this hippie you know, communist magnet school in LA where, you know, I learned all the Beatle lyrics and we did murals and we learned Shakespeare, but we were also kind of Mm anti-capitalistic, which kind of weird when you're 12 years old, but our values were so human based. And so I didn't know that I was sort of building this case about money being bad, especially Mm -hmm. if I lived in a two story house and my friends lived in an apartment I had a little embarrassment about that. But the big things were when I was 12 years old, this huge inheritance was stolen from me by one of the people that I love most in the world. And that created a lot of conflict and confusion because family members were saying different things to me and I was being asked to take sides and I didn't want to take sides. So I made a very good choice to just tune it out and ignore it and just, focus on the people and and make a decision that that didn't matter. And then a couple of years later, another immediate family member, the person I took my first steps to, stole my all my money for college, my college trust fund. And again, a lot of accusations, hearing different things from different people, being asked to take sides. And I did what was really healthy for me, which is say, this is just between the grown-ups, filed it away under the rug of my psyche and loved the people involved and had no idea for a couple of decades that I had learned in those experiences that money came and comes in between me and love. Mm-hmm. So when I remembered that, that it was like one of, it was like a light bulb went on. Mm-hmm. I felt, well, of course. Of course I have money issues. I never knew I had money issues because I'm like so healthy and personally developed and I'm not a victim and I've gone through coach training and all this kind of stuff. And I had no idea that there was this like program running in the background that made money really dangerous. And I didn't recognize it until I did something very weird. And after I did it, I looked around and nobody else had done it. And this is actually the foundation of my book is I could not change my patterns with money until I did a really strange and wild thing, which is I imagined money was a person. Mm-hmm. And I, and I was actually working with a marvelous coach who just intuitively asked me one day if my money was a person, who would my money be? And that was the moment that my financial situation made sense for the very first time in my life, that this 
educated overachiever with like, you know, all with this great reputation and people wanted to hire me and still somehow I managed to not be able to make any money did not make any sense. But when I thought, who would my money be? Out of nowhere, I imagined this big, scary, dirty, violent biker. Wow. Who terrified me. And I it was like, oh, if that's my money, I could just feel the way my body was shrinking and how if I were at a live event, at a party, I would have my eye on him the whole time to create distance. And bingo, that's what I was doing with money in real life. Mm -hmm. But I never knew it because I was, I was doing everything I was supposed to do. I had the website and the brochure and the business cards and the tab. I'm, you know, a good student, such a good girl. And it wasn't until I saw what I was like with that biker that everything made sense. Well, of course I'm pushing money away. Of course I'm broke. And I knew I could never have money in my life, and that was my money, because I didn't like him. I, he scared me, and, I, and it wasn't going to get any better. Right, because right. He was abusive. He did, in fact, cause a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I have this now, this living philosophy that that area in our lives, whether it's money or love or health or whatever, that pain and struggle and failure, that area of our life that we battle with is the source material for our greatest gift. That's right. All that, all that pain and suffering was research and development <laughs> to understand this problem really, really well, which has put me in this amazing place where I've been able to help hundreds of thousands of people with this problem. So, so to anyone who's listening, if you've been stuck in something, first of all, I don't want you to be stuck because I'm really not a sadist despite appearances. I really mm-hmm. am not. <laughs> and congratulations. You are birthing something big and wonderful on the other side of your challenge. So I changed my relationship with money and I've, I've gone from struggling to make $100 a month to now I can make $100,000 in a month doing what I love and helping people and having fun and having an impact and the things that matter to me even more, you know, it's because it's really not about the cash. The, the money challenges are actually not about the cash. They are because we need the money to buy things, but it's really about freedom and choice and feeling like you belong in the world, like this is a safe place, that you're wanted, that you're valued. And, and the great thing about <laughs> money having its like tentacles in every aspect of our lives, you know, from spirituality to health to romance and everything is that when you change your relationship with money, because the underlying issues are never really about money, the solution impacts all the things that aren't really about money, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So your relationships get better. Your health gets better. Your 
self-love gets better. And those are, to me, my favorite things in the world. Right. I want to ask you, and would love to hear what, what you share with the listeners, why do you think it is that people don't like to talk about money? If you think about it, we might have some sort of educational system within school where we learn how to have a checking account and a bank account, but we really aren't taught about money. What is your opinion on that, and how do you think we can shift from that place, which seems to be the norm, to mm-hmm. that place of being open about this so that we can start creating better relationships with those around us by talking about money? Oh, I love that question. I have really super strong opinions on that because especially, you know, here in L.A., people will talk about what they did sexually last night in a loud voice in a restaurant, but people don't talk about money. Money is such a sensitive issue. It's a way we, it's like a concrete measurement of our worth. Ow. So that's that's one of the dangers if we don't have enough For people who have a lot, it really makes them targets because I've worked with clients who have millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, even a billionaire client, and it really can make them targets where they are not loved for themselves. They are the bank. Everybody wants something from them, and that's really painful. Mm -hmm. It's tied in with a lot of pain. I really believe that we have this unconscious relationship with a money monster. We think we want money. Of course we do because we want to have stuff and we want to do stuff and we want to be stuff. And at the same time, money is the number one excuse for everything we can't have or do or be. Mm -hmm. Every time we say I can't afford it, money becomes the bad guy. So we have all this shame and anger and resentment around money and it it scientifically in brain science i love the study where when we are feeling generous and lovey and cuddly with our friends and family if we've got a good relationship with our family or we're giving to charity you know we're we're in that yummy place certain parts of the brain light up and then when the topic of money comes up all those parts of the brain shut down and the limbic reptilian survival part of the brain lights up. And all of our fear and competition parts wake up. So there's a way in which money can bring out our fear and our worst impulses. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of like game the system and rewire it to put the love of people, you know, that generous, expansive unconditional, good-feeling love that makes us love ourselves and put that and the topic of money in the same place. Mm -hmm. I like that. And I did read on your website, and I was going to ask you that, so this is a great lead-in. You say, put love first, then money. And that's directly against what everybody usually says or thinks or teaches. Yeah. Well, I feel that if you have love and your values and your purpose playing on one side of the playing field and you've got money on the other team, everybody loses. Because if you have money without love, that isn't a life worth living. But if you have love without money, you can't live. Mm-hmm. And that's big pain. Right. And it doesn't work. So my solution was after I got rid of the monster, I had a problem. <laughs> I had just rejected mm. the only relationship with money I had. I had just, I had 
gotten rid of, you know, I had gotten rid of the biker and rejected money completely, which is a problem if you have a human body and you want to eat and live. So I knew I needed to replace the biker and I had to do that quickly because I felt like there was this huge hole and if I, I left it, the monster would come back. So I asked myself, well, who would I want in my life so much that I would want this person even though it was money because I felt that was the only way I'd ever be able to actually have money in my life was if I made money a person so irresistible that I could not help but love and want this person, not because it's money, putting the person and the love first. And when I met, in my imagination, my new money, I could feel how much he loved me and how wounded he was, how cruelly I had broken his heart. Mm. All the times I treated him like a monster and I rejected him and I was ashamed of him and how uncaring that was to somebody who just wanted to love me. So my relationship with money is not based on what he can do for me. Ew. Ew. Can you feel how bad that is? Not, it's not, you know, how much I have in the bank account or the car. It's love first. And from this place of love, I don't tell him what I want from him. I say, what do you need from me, darling? So that you can be with me the way you want to be. And I've coached thousands of people through this. Everybody has their own unique relationship, their own unique money person, their own unique answer. But I can say across the board without exception, the answer from your money, honey, will always be underneath the details. Love and value yourself. Mm. Whether money, honey, tells you to go buy some perfume or balance your taxes or or break up with that person who isn't loving you, the, the detail, the, the physical manifestation may vary, but the only thing that will ever truly deeply make this new money happy is your happiness. Mm-hmm. Everything he or she tells you to do, and it's very important to take action, otherwise it's just you know, an idea without any physical form, which is not how change happens, really. It, there's not as much magic as when you bring action into, into it. That's right. But even if it makes no sense at all, and those are my very favorites, <laughs> <laughs> crazy stories about people doing things that don't sound like they should have anything to do with money, but it moves you another step in the direction of your own personal empowerment your own trust in yourself and your life and loving and caring for yourself is the sexiest and most attractive thing in the world. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. Let's talk about, though, that fine line between being responsible, because many of us have commitments to children, home, whatever, and being able to allow ourselves to experience that joy and pleasure with money, buying yeah. something we want or we see randomly and say, I like this or I want to have this experience. How do you help your clients balance that out? Because I know that that's something that we've heard a lot about people just taking, yeah. for instance, the lottery winners. They take their winnings and 
in two, three years, they're broke because they went on this extravagant spending spree. Okay, they're dead. There's actually a whole new field of psychology on the negative impacts of sudden wealth. Mm. Suddenly everybody wants something from them. They, they didn't have any time to prepare or build a container or build a positive relationship with money. I have a friend who coaches NFL players because in the NFL, within three years of being cut, they're almost all bankrupt or dead, which is cruel. Yes. Um, so that's a great question. And years ago, I coached a guy named Tom who actually made, this is, get this, he made $1.5 million six weeks after our first session. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. <laughs> so far. And what's so cool about Tom is that in our second session, he came to me and he said, and he had this just wonderful money honey who loved him so much and had so much to say about his worthiness and lovability and relationships and things that have nothing apparently to do with money. But one of my favorite things that I learned from Tom was he came to the second session and said that his money told him that it's okay to spend money, but only to spend it on things worthy of her. Like not unconsciously, not on junk, not compensating, not being irresponsible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if he wanted to take his son to France with him, that to her was a worthy way to spend, you know, a worthy way to invest. You don't want to throw... Because he's a guy, so his money, honey, was just this gorgeous woman. He doesn't want to throw her away or treat her like a whore. But she wants to be enjoyed because she wants him to be happy. So I would say, and this is actually, I think, the very first affirmation in my book, which is money speaks to me for my highest good. So that's really the test is will this serve your highest good? And it takes a skill to start to hear and trust the voice of your money, honey. It's a, it's a, it's choosing life. I like so that. Is, yeah, I'm glad. Powerful. So let's talk a little bit more about the self-love part, because obviously that's important and critical in all areas of our lives to be mm -hmm. successful, to feel fulfilled, to be at peace. How do you guide people through that process of understanding how lack of self-love greatly affects your money story and what's happening in your life as far as love, relationships, love for things, love for your job, whatever it is? I like people to just discover that experientially. It's just part of the process. I think the most honest, accurate, and useless thing that you could ever say to anybody, including me, is you should love yourself more. Mm. I would say that that is probably true of every human being. Right. And what happens is when you say that to somebody, that may be true, but it doesn't help because it's like, now there's another thing wrong with me. I don't love myself enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And then we get to beat ourselves up with that. So loving yourself should not be on your to-do list. <laughs> but what happens is that you experience all the hurt and the rejection and betrayal and devastation 
when you are digging and finding your money monster, your money monster is the embodiment of every mean thing that has ever been said to you or you said to yourself. It's the death wish. It's really, it's just the embodiment of all the broken promises of a lifetime. And we get rid of it. And your money, honey, is the polar opposite. Your money, honey, loves you more than anybody in the world because he's yours. He chose you. He may look like Brad Pitt or Johnny Depp or Denzel Washington or whatever, or Yanni, even if you didn't think you liked Yanni. I love that. I had a client whose who's money, honey, was a sexy Yanni and not even her type, but her type. Just think about how you feel when you see yourself through the eyes of your lover. Mm-hmm. When you are gaga, head over heels in love and loved back just as much, what does that do for you? We see our ourselves mirrored through the eyes of the other. So in a weird way, it's easier to feel gorgeous and lovable and worthy by seeing ourselves and experiencing ourselves through our money, honey, and how he sees you and feels about you and how you feel being with him. I think because we're human. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. What was it that sparked something within you to write the book? I know, obviously, from what you said, and, and you sound like a wonderful, caring person. You you enjoy helping people, and that's part of your purpose. Yeah. But was there something specifically that pushed you into that idea of, I'm going to write this book and share these truths, and obviously it's helping a lot of people and will help a lot of people. So what what happened there? Well, I feel really passionately, I feel very, really passionately that transformation should be available for everybody, yes. wherever you are in the journey. And I'm working with people less and less individually at a higher and higher price point. So for me to see the change in the world that I want to see, live in the kind of world that I want to live in where everybody loves themselves and respects themselves and respects each other, I needed to come up with a really easy and accessible way to help people have that change without me having to be there. So that's a part of it is just you're trying to get my ego out of it and say, here, this is what I've learned over 10 years. This is what has worked best for my clients and you can do it. So there's that part of it. And then there was also, and here's the secret that I haven't really shared is that for years I was toying with this own kind of self-coaching system for myself to achieve my own goals, to stay on track. And I created these worksheets for myself. And I started getting at all of my goals Mm -hmm. for the first time in my life, especially the craziest ones were the ones that were coming first. So I created the system and then I would test it out on my clients. And I wanted to... I I wanted to create something that I would want. So what I created was this book that's a hybrid of a book and a self-coaching system because I didn't want to create a book 
that would be like one of the books I own, meaning a book that just sits on the shelf. Right. You read and you don't know how to apply it. Yeah, you read it, you're inspired, and then 10 years later, you aren't doing any of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Or three months later, you aren't doing... I wanted to create something that people would open every day, and I also wanted to make change easy. I have a really strong value on easy. I think that change that is easy is much more sustainable, much more doable. I don't believe it takes 21 days to change a habit. I think it takes like seconds. This is a principle of NLP. If a really strong, dramatic event happens, you're going to change your behavior. Or if you've been going to work the same way for 10 years and you find out about a shortcut, you're going to take the shortcut. Mm -hmm. I think change can be so much quicker and easier than we've, than we've been told. Right. So I, I wanted to put that into a book. Tell us how you came up with the title. The title's interesting, and I love it. It's very catchy. What, what was behind that? Well, I love magic. Not the, like, smoke and mirrors trickery magic, but just the magic of daily miracles that happen somehow when we get into alignment and I know I'm sounding really woo woo. And so for the people that I'm just getting way too out there for, I'm also like this wicked practical math and science girl who likes reality and I like things that work. So I have all these case studies of clients making money, tens of thousands of dollars within a few hours of doing my process. That to me is magical. Mm-hmm. So alchemy, I called my process, I trademarked it as financial alchemy. And the thing about alchemy that's different from law of attraction and the secret and these other things that are being taught out there that if they work for you, do them. They didn't work for me. So I do something else. Alchemy, my definition of alchemy is the transmutation of lead into gold. And for my purposes, I believe in the transmutation of lead in human experience into spiritual gold, not making things bad, making things useful, Mm -hmm. beating yourself up for having a bad day and a bad experience, not useful to me, you know? So the money monster is a necessary part of the process. It hasn't worked when I skipped that part. And the bigger and badder the monster is, the better the process works on the other end. That's when you have people like Elliot Malik who made $86,000 in six hours. Or Caroline Connitz who made, Caroline was $86,000 overnight. So this is where the lead becomes really, really valuable. Mm-hmm. And that's why I call this process financial alchemy. We get to make your worst experiences golden. It's not that I like bad experiences, but since that's part of the human experience where everything will change and ultimately we all will die, that's just how it is. How do we have the best possible experience we can in this lifetime and help the most people we can? Mm. And It's really turning the lead that's here into the gold that it could be that's hidden. 
Wow, I love that. I'm so excited to get the book myself and to read about what you have to share. And I really appreciate you being on the show today, Morgana, and just welcome everyone to check out your website and to get connected with you and to pick up a copy of your book. Can you share with our listeners how they would connect with you further, where they can get the book and your website? Absolutely. I am doing something I'm so excited about, which is we're having a book launch on January 23rd. And what that is, is that's just a big excuse to have a party and give away a lot of free stuff. Yay! I know! (laughs) And I'm so fortunate because I have these friends who are the world leaders in changing lives, like Bob Doyle from The Secret and Christopher Howard, who's been like one of my closest friends and mentors forever. And Cynthia Kersey, who is my hero in bringing education and water and and social change in places in Africa that really need and want it. And and so they're all giving stuff as a reward for buying my book on January 23rd. And in addition to that, they have agreed to be my guest on this three-day totally free telesummit. For three days, we're going to talk about money, love, and magic. Wow, that's awesome. Great people to be connected with and to share with. Wonderful. Oh, I yeah. You know, and none of it would have been possible if I hadn't sucked at making money ten years ago. I wouldn't <laughs> who knows what path I'd be on. Right. So <laughs> so go to MorganaRay.com. That's my name and I'll spell it out. M is in Mary O R. G-A-N is in Nancy, A-R-A-E dot com. Morgana, which is like Morgan is in Morgan Freeman with an A at the end, Ray, R-A-E dot com. And there you will see, uh, you can click a link for the book launch and for the telesummit. And either one of those, just give me your name and your email address, and I will send you emails with the dates and the instructions for accessing and getting to listen to the telesummit and where to go to get the book up third and how to get all the free giveaways. And while you're there, right off the bat this moment, you can actually get a free four-part video course on how to make money fall in love with you. Wonderful. Got that. And another name for my website, if for anybody who's having trouble spelling out my name or remembering it, you can also go to AbundanceAndProsperity.com, two words that I just love to pieces, AbundanceAndProsperity.com, same website, different name, it'll get you all the goodies there too. Wonderful. How exciting. And I'm sure there's going to be so many people who are helped from not only the Telesummit, but the book. And and the book is actually 12 Months of Magic and Manifestation. That is the title. That's why we're doing it in January, because it takes it. It walks you. It's like taking you by the hand and walking you through the process and then manifesting everything you want for 12 months. That is daily journal aspect of like all of my best tips and tricks for manifesting ridiculously wonderful stuff. That's amazing. That's great. Thank you so much for your time today and for sharing a part of your story and for your great thoughts and tips on money. And I wish you the best in your endeavors. Oh, thank you, Angela.